0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iyer. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. We're breaking down the divisional playoffs in depth for you at SN. Looking at uh, the four battles here to get to the conference championship games. They're broken down pretty evenly. No Sunday extension into Monday here like we have the wildcard round. We dropped from six games down to four, so we'll have a little bit more time to break down those games. What we're going to do here is look at the Saturday games today. That would be a matchup between the Bengals and Titans and then another marquee NFC battle between the 49ers and Packers. Then tomorrow we'll break down the two games there on Sunday. We have a Sunday late afternoon game, early evening game there. We'll start... There at 3 o'clock, the Rams going to the Buccaneers and then close it all out in a spectacular weekend of action with the Bills traveling to the Chiefs at 6.30. But we do have two very good games on Saturday. We'll break those down in depth for you as an appetizer for a big weekend ahead. And again, Friday we'll put us all in a blender, look at the values there on DraftKings and FanDuel, whether you're playing the Saturday Slate or Sunday Slate as a whole based on how we break down the matchup. So. We will get into Bengals-Titans here in a moment. Thanks for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, Bengals-Titans here. Let's uh, start with looking at where the spread and the point total lie here. The Titans are three and a half point favorites. They're the number one seed in the FC. They're at home. 47 is the over-under. Cincinnati with a big home win last week. As the number 4 seed over the number 5 Raiders. Uh, We're in control for most of that game. We're able to win by a touchdown here. So Bengals I think could have beaten the Raiders a little bit better than that. The Titans at rest here waiting for their matchup. So this should be a pretty good one. I think this has been a bit overshadowed by the nature of the other games. Just because it doesn't have the same cachet with the franchises here, but I think it's going to be a solid game. And the three and a half point spread says the Bengals have a legitimate chance here to pull the upset. They've been red hot, we know, since Joe Burrow has been playing since the final stretch of the season. So they always have a shot with him, it looks like. Much like we've seen with Patrick Mahomes develop that for the Chiefs and Josh Allen develop that for the Bills, Joe Burrow is taking over as the third best quarterback now in the AFC with the way he's playing. So Joe Burrow... Great matchup for this Bengals team in terms of the secondary. The matchup up front, not so good. The Titans have a pretty good pass rush. Can get in and get physical, get to the quarterback with power moves there inside as well. But it's Joe Burrow's show. I think this says that it's not going to be a lot of Joe Mixon. They were a little limited to the way they used Joe Mixon last week. He was more a finisher, complimentary player. I think that's what you're going to see again here, that they're going to trust Joe Burrow to throw the ball Quite a bit downfield. The Titans' weakness, we know, lies in their secondary. They're a pretty good team that covers tight ends, so you're not going to extend to CJ Zama. They do have a good safety there. And Kevin Byard, he's just that good in coverage. And then their run defense is pretty good because they have Jeffrey Simmons up front. They can control the action in their three-man front. They have pretty active linebackers as well. They've shown some depth there as they battle injuries. So, Again, Joe Mixon doesn't feel like it's going to be a key game for him at any rate. I think it also makes sense for the Bengals to be aggressive throwing the ball so they can get a lead and avoid being run all over by the Titans. The Titans can stay in it with a positive game script and go in that direction. So with the Bengals, I think what you're seeing is Joe Burrow continues to dominate here with the high volume. I'll be shocked if he doesn't throw at least 35 times in this game. I'd say it's going to be upward of 40 to 50. That's what you have to do, jump all over the Titans, get a lead here, and do some damage. And I think with Joe Burrow, Bengals feel very confident, so if they can protect him, help him a little bit, he's going to get the ball downfield with Jamar Chase. There's also good matchups here for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd all over the field. I think Burrow's going to buy some time. So it makes a lot of sense in terms of offense and defensive strategy, based on what the Titans do well, the way they're composed, for the Bengals to make it a very Burrow and Chase-centric game here. Once again, I mean, it's carried them pretty far here by following that game plan. They're not going to be conservative and suddenly go into some ball control situation with Mixon. Again, he's going to be the more complimentary guy, the red zone guy, get involved in the passing game in his own right. here. But the Titans have trouble with all of the above. And so you figure the Bengals will attack there and have some work. I mean, you look at Chase, they might try to play some zone and try to keep him from getting deep. But again, I do like the matchup inside for Boyd and outside for Higgins. So it could be more of a Higgins and Boyd game here if they try to take away Chase in the big play like a lot of teams have done. Maybe work him in a double team given their inexperience in the secondary. So something to keep in mind. So Higgins was rather quiet last week but it's his turn I think to be rather effective in this one in the passing game and kind of lead things here. Good chance to score a touchdown here for Higgins. Chase might have the bigger yardage day but Higgins might have the better volume and better scoring potential, and Boyd having like a 5-for-50, 6-for-60 six type game, with always a chance to score in the middle of the field. Again, not extending Uzama. Bengals defense, not a bad way to look at it this week either. Titans offensive line is pretty good, but they're not built to pass protect Ryan Tannehill for a long time. So it's a bit of hit or miss with the game script for the Bengals if you're going to go plug them in. Now for the Titans side of things, Ryan Tannehill, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. you get A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, probably the healthiest they've been together all season long after the bye week. So two guys that have battled hamstring and other issues this year, but they want Brown and Jones to be healthy together on the field to play off each other. Brown clearly being the number one, Jones settling into his complementary role. And Nick Westbrook-Akina is a guy that you can't totally ignore. He's had a lot of key playing time this year to help film for Brown and Jones, so he's a third receiver here. Anthony Ferkser as well. So I think Ferkser is going to stay involved here. They also have Jeff Swain at tight end, so tight end by committee. So it's really hard to look at one of those guys in particular, but that's the source of a passing for Ryan Tannehill. And A.J. Brown is starting. I just wouldn't extend to Julio Jones and think about him this week. The Bengals can contain him here pretty much downfield. So A.J. Brown and T. Higgins, I think, are going to have the biggest games at wide receiver this game. And then you look at Derrick Henry. Do you worry about Derrick Henry returning so easily from the Jones fact fracture of his foot? Yeah, it's a little bit concerning because they could ease him in the lineup. If he's active in there. And you have uh, Dontrell Hilliard and Dante Foreman. They've been really on point here carrying the Tigers backfield. So how much do they want to expose Henry? But that said, if Henry's active and good to go for this game, they're going to let it loose with Derrick Henry. He's going to be the original one. They're not going to be careful with the committee or anything like that. I think it's not really fruitful if you do that because you might as well just play the committee if you're going to force those guys in and limit Henry's usage in this one. So I think it's either play Henry, they can feel good about it and be all in with him or err on the side of caution in the 11th hour and say, we're not going there to to the Titans. And and I think just you have to play it By ear here. they've house has a lot lot of confidence by Foreman and Hilliard and their production here down the stretch. So again, it's either Henry's Henry or he's not at all and he's not playing. That's how I kind of approach it this week. So the principles Brown Henry can help Ryan Tannehill put up some numbers, especially if Joe Burrow can be aggressive and help the Bengals get a lead here. I do like the Bengals to go in and win this game. Surprise, surprise there with what I've been talking about. I think Joe Burris is better. You can trust him more. Ryan Tannehill. Very run success dependent here. And there's too many variables there with Henry. The Bengals can be decent against the run as well. And then the script that could push the Titans out of passing. so Or push them more into passing without the help of play action and the running. So keep that in mind, Tannehill's best success usually comes when the running game is open things up. In downfield and play action versus uh, just being one dimensional here. That's a lot of trouble there for the Titans if they get to this point. So again... Bengals, I like to handle the Titans here pretty well. Again, big ups to the matchup, and the Titans secondary really cost them here in this game. Our next matchup we'll break down for you is 49ers, a Packers here. So two pretty good games, and I think these two could be the sneaky offensive big shootout type games, while well, the other two could be a little bit disappointing. So something to keep in mind as well. So don't forget about the Saturday slate in relation to Sunday. It's the New Year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fitter getting healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in that plan. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Bilt Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or just simply taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat it healthy, but it just gets so boring. By February or March, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, so you get the chocolate there. Most of the built Bars contain 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So they're packed with good stuff and not including any of the bad stuff there for you. So here's an idea for the New Year. Go to all your secret treat stashes, whether it be in the house or in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw them all out that are the sugary and calorie-filled treats and replace them with healthy, delicious built Bars. So when you're craving snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. and It's also a great way to uh, cut down your calories, bounce out your workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Bilt is always coming out with new fl- flavors that are there for a limited time. So check out Bilt.com often to see what's new. All you have to do to get in on Bilt Bar is go to Bilt.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you get 15% off your order. The promo code LOCK15 will unlock 15% off at built.com. All right, we will continue the show here, breaking down uh, the 49ers-Packers. Yeah, I'm excited for this one for sure. I mean, a lot of good stuff on this docket in four games. So, look, we have two less games, but I don't think the action is going to be any less intense or exciting. Thanks for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. This is a big announcement that the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show podcast is going on the road to Los Angeles for Super Bowl week. Follow Peacock and Williamson NFL Show today to get the most comprehensive coverage of the big game. It's free and available, like this show, on all platforms, and I mentioned I'll be on the ground in Los Angeles too, so maybe some goodies there that's going to happen ahead of Super Bowl 56. I'll be doing that for Sporting News, so excited about that, getting back out there for a big game like this, so who will play it? We'll find out, Uh, this is another game that will help determine that, 49ers-Packers divisional playoffs, one of the two in the NFC, the Packers trying to get to the championship uh, game again, Uh, the Packers and 49ers met in the championship game two years ago, so a lot of familiarity, the Packers beat the 49ers the regular season, with an Aaron Rodgers last second field goal drive, pretty good Back and forth affair. The Packers blew a lead. The 49ers almost finished the comeback, but Rodgers stopped that. And then you saw last year the 49ers had a COVID outbreak, and the Packers kind of handled them on Thursday night. So, Packers have kind of changed this script a little bit the past two meetings after they got swept in this series there as the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. They won in 2019. The regular season then turned around and blew them out again in the playoffs there in 2020 ahead of Super Bowl 54. So, Packers have some revenge on their mind. They feel like they turn a corner. This number keeps going up in their favor. So, I told you I like the Bengals to upset the Titans here. I like the Packers to take care of business against the 49ers. Too many factors working against them. It started around 4.5. It's now bumped up to 6, trending towards 7. The over-under has dropped to 46.5. So, part of his tied to the Packers scoring a little bit more, and the 49ers maybe less potential here. So, Let's start with the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo should play through the shoulder injury. Also dealing with right thumb. They've used Trey Lance in practice as an Aaron Rodgers mobile kind of dummy there, so to speak, to try to figure out how to combat Aaron Rodgers. So that should tell you they're using Trey Lance in that capacity. they pretty feel good about Jimmy Garoppolo playing. Now, it's not one for Kyle Shanahan to put in Lance and wrinkles. He's done it before. He did play against the Packers earlier. Packers do struggle against running quarterbacks. It's been long documented going back to Dom Capers' uh, offensive or defensive coordinating days. They just struggle with this uh, position for some reason as runners. They've allowed some big games there. So Trey Lance could have some appeal to come in, especially if Garoppolo's not feeling it with the shoulder and they want to rest him on a few key snaps in the red zone. So something to watch there that's a wrinkle that could develop here for the 49ers. But your principles are good. Debo Samuel is fine. He, they can move him around the formation, use him out of the backfield to keep him away from Jair Alexander, who's expected to return here for the Packers. So I think if anyone faces Alexander more, I think it's going to be Brandon Ayuk. We saw last week that Ayuk toasted Trayvon Diggs there of the Cowboys. So Ayuk is more of the dedicated outside receiver. Samuel he can move all over the formation, get him out of the backfield. So there's a way to scheme him open away from Alexander, where Ayuk should run to some difficulty this week. It also would mean they pivot from Ayuk using George Kittle. Kittle has been very quiet over the last month. He had a couple monster games before then, but Kittle has to get going here because the Packers do struggle at times against a tight end. Kittle has a good history against them when things count here for San Francisco. So that all points to more of a Kittle game. Samuel's Samuel every week. He's the wide receiver one. Kittle, I think, has a lot of appeal to rebound big-time tight end one. While well, you fade Ayoub this week as a wide receiver three that you're looking at. Uh, and really, Eli Mitchell, you got to go with him. Elijah in the backfield, he's leading it. He's getting all the key touches here for San Francisco. So he's the man. They're going to feed him quite a bit. Now you could look at Jimmy Garoppolo again. They're going to have to put the ball up the air to compete. The backers either jump on them or play catch-up with Aaron Rodgers. So Garoppolo has a lot of appeal. Trey Lance does too if he has to play a little bit more. And Garoppolo can't go with that injury. So a lot of things to watch there. But I think the 49ers offense will be fine. It's just a lot more will stream through Kittle this week. And Samuel, his usual running and receiving self, do have a big impact for San Francisco's offense as well as the running game. Going with Mitchell. Now, let's look at the Packers side of things. Looks like Randall Cobb may be returning. David Bakhtiari, the left tackle, is also in the mix, but Cobb changes things up with wide receiver. Alan Lazard had been eating in the slot quite a bit, but now he might be a little bit of working on the outside, so probably limiting the snaps of Marquez valdez Santling if Cobb returns. you will have more of Lazard working there with Devontae Adams this week, so Lazard's here. He's locked in. He's going to be a big part of what they do. Cobb, they might ease a little bit, but Lazard offers them that luxury there to not force Cobb back in the slot, so We'll see how it goes, but I would see Lazard being an inside-outside hybrid role, and you're having Cobb be dedicated to slot here, playing off Adams and helping Aaron Rodgers this week. So, again, a little bit by everywhere of Lazard with Cobb in there. I think they could split the difference, and then you could have some MBS in there. But I do love Devontae Adams. His 49ers secondary is got some guys back there that are overachieving there, Emmanuel Mosley and Ambry Thomas, but... This is a much tougher matchup for Adams. So I think it's going to be an Adams game. And kind of thread the needle to him as much as possible if you're Aaron Rodgers here. So Rodgers and Adams, a special combination. I think it gets going here early and stays productive throughout the game. So, But Lazard, Cobb, just be wary of that. But I think the return of Cobb bumps up a Rodgers value in this game a little bit. Don't forget about the running backs. They're going to be a big factor too. Uh, Aaron Jones, I think, sees a little bit more in the passing game, extra than he's had past few weeks to kind of bounce out that he's seeing a little bit less work in the early downs and power situations with A.D. Dillon. So I do like Dillon as a flex and Aaron Jones more as an RB1 than an RB2 this week there with in terms of his numbers. And the Packers, you look at uh, the defense also intriguing play in this game against Jimmy Garoppolo who can turn over the ball a little bit. But getting Alexander back, getting Zadarius Smith probably back in this game, that adds a lot more juice here. Garoppolo can turn the ball over, as we said. and Not a big guy that takes a lot of sacks, but the Packers can get after with pressure and then they pull ahead. I can see that definitely happening. They do some Lambo leaps. They get up, jump all over the 49ers. So watch out for that in this game. It, it, it should be a lot of fun. These are two classic rivals here NFC powers from the past and present meeting here. So I'm excited. But I do think the Packers will take care of that six number. I like it as long as it stays at below a touchdown here and doesn't keep going in that direction because then i would feel a little bit more compelled to go to the 49ers. But at this six-point spread, I'll take it for the Packers. I think this game should go over too much potency on the field. 46.5 is that over-under for 49ers. Packers, we'll close the show as we do sometimes here, breaking down a, a rankings list for you. So we'll break down the top 10... I'll say top eight. We only have eight teams left here, so we're going to do the top eight tight ends on the board here still left in the playoffs here for reality from a fantasy and reality perspective. We'll do that and have some fun in our last segment. I do have to tell you that uh, it is a new betting year, and BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the divisional playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering Action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. Decide today and receive your 50% welcome bonus here your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager in all your favorite sports. online, it's where the game starts. All right, time to uh, close the show. We're gonna do a reverse ranking of tight ends. And the last two are a bit of sleepers here to look out for in this round based on the matchups. We're gonna start last. Uh, we don't have Robert Tunyon. He was down for the season. Yeah, remember Robert Tunyon? He was still around here for the Packers. But Josiah Degara, a kid out of Cincinnati. They like his athleticism. They could feature him a little bit more here as a wrinkle there, especially with Cobb and Lazard getting some attention in the middle field. But Josiah Degara, gotta put him last on the list because the Packers don't throw to him much as a youngster, but he could have a role here in the playoffs a little bit more than expected. Now, we've seen Anthony Ferkser and Jeff Swain kind of split the tight end receiving duties there for the Titans, but Ferkser has gotten on the same page a little bit with Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill's felt more comfortable throwing. The return of Julio Jones along with Brown has got some more attention on the wide receivers, and we know that everyone is afraid of Derrick Henry out of the backfield. So Ferkser taking advantage of that. He's a Harvard guy. He's a smart player. He'd get open here for Tannehill. So he's an unsung guy that could get open and do a little bit more damage than he usually does in the playoffs. So something to look at, but still he comes in at number 7 among active tight ends. There, now number 6 is CJ Uzama. He's had a nice season for the Bengals, had some big plays at times, but he can disappear from games. Uh, he's just really matchup dependent here. And not necessarily the top flight run blocker there, you would say. He's pretty good. But again, nothing there spectacular about C.J. Ozama. So I look at the matchup against the Titans. very tough against the tight end. So for Ozama and Furks are about even in this game in their potential, very limited impact here. If someone does something more, I think it would be Ferkser for the Titans based on Cincinnati's issues in linebacker and linebacker safety at times away from Jesse Bates and whoever's on the outside for them between Logan Wilson or Jermaine Pratt. Now looking at... The next tight end on the list, it's Tyler Higbee. He's looked pretty good here of late in the playoffs. He's kind of feeling the groove. Uh, we thought he would have a bigger season without Gerald Everett, but Higbee looking good. He's always been a solid blocker. They sometimes use him as that key third receiver behind Cooper Cup, and now Odell Beckham Jr. instead of uh, Robert Woods. It's a lot of things to look at there with Higbee as he's uh, settled even more with Matthew Stafford with the chemistry here. Now the stretch. So those are the four that you would say are not equal to the rest. The next one rising pretty quickly is Dawson Knox. Big game there last week. Josh Allen likes him. He's the second go-to guy there all over the field after Stefan Diggs. So Knox coming in pretty high. He's going to be a good fantasy football asset there on a regular basis in 2022. Rob Gronkowski looks like he might play another year as well. But he's been Gronk spiking in, putting up the numbers here for Tampa. This time in the playoffs. They're down Chris Godwin, don't have Antonio Brown, so he's going to have to take a bigger role there to help the other tight ends, Cameron Brayden O.J. Howard, as well as uh, using his catch radius to play off Mike Evans and stretching the field and working in the red zone. So you look at uh, Gronkowski there, he is definitely your number three tight end on the board in the playoffs. So that leaves two pretty special guys ahead of him. The other guy ahead of him, behind our number one choice, is George Kittle. Too much of an impact player to be quiet one more round here for the Divisional playoffs. He can take over and dominate the Packers, and that would be bad news for them. So George Kittle just bring it. He's also an intense blocker that's going to help the running game consistently. So Gronk comes in third, but he had to be trumped by Kittle. Both of these guys had to be also second and third to Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's still the guy making a lot of plays. Uh, I know he's quiet in some games this season, but really came on strong with Tyreek Hill in the playoff game there against the Steelers, so Kelsey's starting to feel it again slowly in these better matchups, but Kelsey's doing it. He's right there in his prime. Soon kid hit the wall and to start seeing decline in his career, but he's still special right now as a receiver. Running great routes for Patrick Mahomes, so really it's a uh, part being tied to Mahomes, giving Kelsey and Gronkowski a lot of... appeal. Hill, while Kittle builds his value based on his chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo, so Pretty good uh, group of tight ends here. All pretty much single tight ends to look at. DeGara, at number eight. Ferkster, number seven. Seizure Zama, number six. Tyler Higbee, number five. Dawson Knox, number four. Rob Gronkowski, three. George Kittle, two. And of course, Travis Kelsey, still the king of the hill at tight end at number one. So there you have it. There's a look at uh, the Bengals Titans games and 49ers Packers game as divisional playoffs. Matchup shows uh, continue here on the network. We will again do matchup Thursday, focusing on the Sunday games between the Rams and Buccaneers and Bills and Chiefs. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Now make your second listen to Locked On Bets your daily one-stop shop for all gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis from Lee Sterling. It's free and available just like this show on all platforms for Locked On Fantasy Football for sporting news. This is Vinny Iyer. Have a great day, and we'll catch up with you tomorrow as we break down the two Sunday games. Match up Thursday our second of the week before we get to DFS on Friday.